Amen. All right, check this out. Here it is. Don, you ready for this? The heat is being turned up. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, organizations representing Australia, science researchers, academics, and teachers took United aim at intelligent design. That's right. That's the big enemy now. They said that they have grave concerns that the theory of intelligent design was being presented as a valid alternative to evolution. Ooh. And here's what they said. It's not science. They said it's more like spoon bending or astrology. <laughs> this is a new phase of the war, they say, between so-called creationists and evolutionists. And what's different is that the proponents of intelligent design are, in short, demanding creation be accepted as science. Now, once again, as we've been seeing, what we've been dealing with outside the biblical verses? Nothing but science, okay? Uh, but anyway, they continue. Andrew Dutney, he's the associate professor of theology, theology at Flinders University. He likens intelligent design to a computer virus. He says, you don't want to import it like a computer virus that it's likely to and probably intended to destabilize the rest of the curriculum. Theology. Yeah. What are you guys, informed Christians? What are you doing? Anyway, so anyway, he says this. And then Ian Plimer, or Plimer, however you pronounce his name, is at the University of Melbourne. He goes further. He says, I call it incompetent design. Uh, it's an anti-intellectual, postmodernist mechanism for snaring the ill-educated into Protestant fundamentalism. I.e., it leads people to the knowledge of God. Okay, that's, okay, whatever. Uh, and he says this, people are running scared. And listen to what he says, though. For not condemning this Christian Wahhabism the same way that moderate Muslim leaders do not condemn the Islamic terrorists. And one scientist said, intelligent design is not a scientific view. It's arguing that things happen by magic. <laughs> what? My theory is this. I, I think you really want it to be magic because you want it to magically disappear because it's messing up your theory. That's a lie, okay? But here's the point. Once again, what is amazing about this is these guys are flat out saying that intelligent design is not science when the whole time, what have we been looking at? Science. How is that not science? Okay. And that's all they got. It's called character assassination. If you're familiar with debates and how they go, it, anytime a person resorts in a debate to character assassination, you just forfeited the debate. You lost the debate. And that's all they got. They just repeat this lie loud enough, long enough, and often until people buy it and believe it that it's not science when it's all based on Science, okay, but it gets even worse, folks. It's gotten so bad that they're comparing you and I who would believe intelligent design, Romans chapter 1. It's been there the whole time. It's nothing new. God said it 2,000 years ago. They're comparing you and I to Islamic terrorists by trying to share this uh, study, okay? It's absolutely crazy. Now, the irony is, believe it or not, because of the evidence of design, the evolutionists are starting to admit that there's not just something to it, but they're actually admitting that evolution cannot happen by chance, okay? But they still don't want to admit that it came from God. So now they're saying, aliens did it. So what Richard Dawkins said, one of the biggest evolution atheists on the planet, watch this. Well then, who did create the heavens and the earth? Why do you use the word who? You see, you, you, you immediately beg the question by using the word who. Well then, how did it get created? Well, um by a very slow process. Well, how did it start? Nobody knows how, how, how it started. We know the kind of event that it must have been. We know the sort of event that, that must have happened for the origin of life. And what was that? It was the origin of the first self-replicating molecule. Right, how did that happen? I told you, we don't know. 
So you have no idea how it started? No, no. No, no, nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. What do you think is the possibility that there, that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in, well, in evolution? It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization e evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this, this planet. Um, now, th that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the, um, at the detail, details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, and that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. Well, but that higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. So Professor Dawkins was not against intelligent design, just certain types of designers, such as God. Interesting. Now, we'll, I'll break that down here in just a little bit, okay? Uh, in other words, he doesn't want to believe that God did it. He's forced by the evidence, by the information, by the science that there's design, but he absolutely refuses to admit that God did it. Now, the irony is, the same God that you want to reject and say doesn't exist actually predicted that you would do this specifically in the last days. And this is the text there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 5. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Notice it didn't say after science. It was after their evil desires. In other words, they don't want there to be a God. Okay, so do they deal with the facts as it comes about? No, here's the reason why they do it. They deliberately forget that long ago, that means on purpose, they deliberately turn away on purpose, a blind eye to the facts. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. In other words, it came from God, okay? And basically what Peter predicted nearly 2,000 years ago, again, we've seen this several times, is that a characteristic in the last days is scoffers are going to come. They're not going to follow the hard facts of science. They don't want there to be a God. So, it, so much so are they vehement against the idea of God and that God is the reason for creation, that they will come up and believe any wild, whacked out uh, 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 excuse uh, for our existence. And that's what uh, Dawkins is doing, saying that a higher evolved race of aliens is responsible for all this design that we're seeing. Now, if you're not familiar with the term, it's called spermia. And this is starting to come out big. It's been, it's been around for a while. And you're starting to see this now on like History Channel and Science Channel. And, and basically what they say and what this belief is, is the reason why we see design, and that's what he was alluding to on that video, is that a higher evolved race of aliens, you know, they go a couple different angles, okay, in this belief, that uh, they basically transported the genetic material needed for life to exist in spermia, okay? And the first ones, they would say, well, they came down here, aliens came down here. The reason why we see design is because aliens came down here oodles of years ago and they began to monkey, ha, 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 with the apes and that's what produced mankind. That's one side of it. I've actually heard another side of it that said, no, no, it was, it was much more random than that. Now, I'm not making this up. They say, well, it was aliens, all right. Uh, but what they did is they were making a flyby and they dumped out their trash 
and that trash, I'm not making this up, and that trash fell into the oceans. Well, it had germs and stuff in it, and that's what created the original primordial ooze, and we all came from alien trash. Don't you feel so awesome now? I came from alien trash. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, but anyway, all this just to say that it didn't come from God. Now, I got to break this down because first of all, uh, if you're paying attention to what he said, he just admitted, this is one of the world's top atheist evolutionists. On video, he just admitted the fact that because there's so much design features that evolution can't happen by chance, right? So in essence, he just admitted it's a lie, right? And so, and the way he admits it's a lie, he has to go outside of evolution to explain the design. So number one, we can stop right there. He just admitted the top evolutionists on the planet that evolution doesn't work. It's a lie. By chance. It needs some outside help. Okay, but even if you say aliens did it, you still don't solve the problem. Think about it. Put your thinking caps on. You just extended the problem. Because all you have to do is ask them the logical common sense question. Okay, so supposedly these aliens dumped their trash. Or supposedly they came down here and were poking at apes and made mankind faster. Right, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then all you have to do is ask them the logical question. Okay, well, who made those aliens? And typically they're going to say, well, they came from another highly evolved race of aliens. Okay, well, who made those aliens? Well, they came from another highly evolved race of aliens. Okay, well, who made those aliens? Well, they came from another high, you know, right? Just on and on, right? And eventually, if they'll even play with you that long, you get back to the original alien source, right? Who made the original alien who started all the aliens who started this trash that you dumped in the ocean, right? Well, they'll have to go back down to the original problem. Well, it all started by chance from a ball of dirt. Okay, so then you ask them the logical question, what? Where'd the dirt come from? Dirt doesn't produce aliens, and dirt doesn't come from nowhere, right? You didn't solve the problem by going the alien route. All you did was extend the problem. Do you see how ridiculous it is? All it is is the latest creative way to escape the logical conclusion. That's why God put the evidence there in Romans chapter 1 that this is evidence of God's design. Okay, as we've been seeing in our study, Romans chapter 1, those who suppress the evidence of God's existence, even through aliens now, what are they actually doing according to the Bible? Storing up the wrath of God. And how many guys would say it would be much more effective and certainly a much more pleasing experience if you would just ask Bonnie to teach you a new hobby like crochet or something? That's much safer, right? Than the Hey, would you be available? It would be backwards. But still, we can see the design in that. Uh, but let's continue on. And therefore, we're going to continue our study taking a look at God's witness of creation. And as you know, the theme of the study, we're taking a look at the different evidences that God's left behind for us, showing us he's not just real. The good news, we really can have a relationship with him uh, through Jesus Christ. And we've already seen that first evidence, and that's what we've been kicking on. This is the ninth week now, is an intelligent creation or intelligent design. And what we saw is uh, the last eight times, the first eight evidences of an uh, intelligent creator designer intelligent world and that was the evidence of the universe the solar system the human body the whole animal kingdom the plant kingdom the bacteria dna kingdom all that stuff and the last time was symbiotic relationships and genetic similarities how many guys were here for that one wasn't that cool what a big fat lie that was uh that because the 1.6 difference between humans and chimpanzees were related it's crazy it's not a common origin uh it's the same designers using the same material and it's not even 1.6 it's up to five and as we saw before, 48 million nucleotides is the difference between 1.6%. Uh, 
Okay, a difference of three, you'd be dead. And so triple that 48 million, and that's really, it's impossible. They know it's impossible for anything to turn into any other kind of animal. You can have variations within species, a big dog, small dog, red dog, black dog, but that's not evolution. If you look back, it's still the same kind, it's a dog. Okay, if it turned into a whale or a corn plant, you got me. But that ain't going to happen, and that doesn't happen, and they know genetically it can't happen. We're being lied to. Okay, but that's not all. Now we're going to get into, believe it or not, uh, the next evidence, and that is the evidence of logic. Okay, so let's put your thinking caps on. Let's, let's experiment. Ready? Go ahead. I guess that's how you put it on. I'm not sure. And, uh, but we're going to put our uh, thinking caps on, and we're just going to look at some logic, some common sense logic. And let's say, you see if evolution could ever take place. I don't think so. But let's, let's see why we need to look at logic. And believe it or not, God invites us to. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, our opening text here. And as you turn there, Isaiah, of course, was written by Isaiah. Man, that was awesome. That's good. Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read verses 10 through 20. Now, the context here, as you're going to see, is we're going to find out something that God not just dislikes. Believe it or not, God hates and what you're going to see here is God absolutely cannot stand religious perfunctory behavior. Going through the motions, just punching in your time clock. Okay, he's got some serious strong words for it. Israel, unfortunately, was guilty of it. And good thing that we don't do that today. That we just punch in our time clock and God gets on the back. Hey, he's going to Medlin early, Bobby. Run. Okay, uh, no, we're going to see that. But, and then he's going to say, hey, listen, use your brain. Think about this. Does it make sense what you're doing? Okay. So let's take a look at that passage there. I explained it. Verse 10, here's what he says. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of who? Sodom. Now he's speaking to Israel. Woo! Uh, and, and listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Uh-oh. How many guys would say they're in trouble? Okay. He says this, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing what? Meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbath, and convocation. I, I can't bear your evil assemblies. Can you imagine if God, this is the whole, I'm going off on a, side, a tangent on this, but this is such a text. Can you imagine if God sent a prophet or God sent a letter from an actual true prophet and he said, sunrise, I can't bear your evil assemblies. I can't stand it when you guys get together. It's so fake. Anybody glad that we didn't, haven't got one? At least I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> right? That's intense, isn't it? Now you know why we're in that study on Sunday mornings on renewing your faith. Get rid of the churchianity stuff. Let's get back to a relationship. Right? God doesn't like that stuff. Okay? But listen to this. He says this. He says, I can't bear uh, your evil assemblies. He says, your new moons, festivals, your appointed feasts. My soul, what? Hate. He says, they become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Uh, even if you offer many prayers, I'm not going to listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Listen, what does he say? Come now, let us reason together says the lord though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though the red is crimson they shall be like wool if you are willing and obedient you will eat the best from the land but if you resist and rebel you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the lord has spoken there's your choice use your mind use your logic 
reason, which one do you want? I don't know about you, but I think maybe repentance is better. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's saying there, okay? And this is what it is. In our text, obviously the context here, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that God wants us to refrain from not just sinful behavior, but sinful behavior in treating our relationship with him like a dry, stale, boring, punch-in-your-time-clock religion, right? Okay, he doesn't like that, okay? But he also invites us to come let us, what? Reason together, to use your logic, okay? And the reason why I wanted to bring this up uh, is because this one passage, among many others, dispels the myth. How many guys have heard this one? Well, when you become a Christian, you just check in your brain at the door. Anybody ever hear that charge? That somehow if you turn into a Christian or become one, you're just going to have to become intellectually inept and you're going to have to lie on your IQ and say it's three. Right? And that, that's the impression that we get from the world. Now, the irony, okay, the irony is this is what the evolutionists are doing with all due respect. Okay? Come let us reason together. Okay? They're the ones who are checking in their brains at the door because once again, every single time, what's the common thread? All we've been looking at on the issue of his intelligent design is the, the biblical verse and the scientific data backing that up. Yet what do they say every single time? It's not science. It's not science. It's not so Who's checking whose brain at the door? Okay? And yet you would make that charge against us. Okay, now it's not our fault that science leads to the conclusion there must be a God. The real issue is you don't want there to be a God. Okay? But we're not checking in our brain at the door. We're using our brain. We're looking at the evidence. We're following science. It's being tested, demonstrated, repeated. That's the definition of science. Okay? And so let's do that. Let's put evolution out to the test. The heat's always on us. You prove it. You prove it. Okay? All right, fine. Let's use some logic and let's take a look at evolution. And you tell me, let us reason together tonight, if evolution is ever going to take place. Okay? So let's take a look at some logic. And first of all, we're going to take a look at the logic of the honeybee. How many guys glad that bees aren't really that big? Yeah, praise God. Okay, evolutionists believe that all of life evolved purely by chance without no outside help, including the tiny, seemingly simple honeybee, right? It's part of creation. So, let's put it to the test. Okay, let's look at this logically, comparing the tiny little brain of a honeybee to NASA's huge Cray computer, okay? Uh, the YMPC-90, which, by the way, was built and designed by, guess who? An explosion in Radio Shack. No, designers. Okay, so let's put this to the test. First of all, there's the size. Let's do a comparison. The Cray computer is huge, while the honeybee's brain is obviously tiny. You see him down there? That's much more acceptable. Even though on this screen, guys, if you were to go up there, he's still going to be about that big. Which, uh, whatever. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> just, just trying to help you out. So anyway, so the Cray computer, the honeybee is really small, right? So that's the size difference there. Now we got the speed. The Cray computer can process 6 billion calculations per second, and that's pretty fast. Well, but the brain of the honeybee can do that a thousand billion per second, which means this brain is about 166 times faster than the Cray computer. Okay, it's pretty interesting. Now there's the energy consumption. The Cray uses kilowatts, uh, but the honeybee only uses, uh, uses many kilowatts. The honeybee only uses 10 microwatts. That's pretty efficient. Okay, interesting. God, I think, is winning right now. Uh, the honeybees uh, not only make honey, they also fly on honey because that's their energy source as well. And a honeybee can fly a million miles on one gallon of honey. Isn't that wild? Talk about efficient. Let's see you invent a machine that gets a million miles per gallon. Uh, God did. That's pretty neat, isn't it? How many guys would like to have that? How many guys are wanting to go get a honeybee and start riding that thing? Maybe you say some gas. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get enough of them, you can fly. But anyway, don't do it. Uh, next, now we have the cost. All right, let's do, continue with the comparison. The Craig computer cost back in the day $48 million. But the honeybee's brain is pretty cheap. We splat them on our windshields all the time, right? Don't even think twice about it. Just go get a new one. Keep driving. You'll get one eventually. Uh, then we got the maintenance issue. Uh, many people have to scramble when the cray breaks down. Uh, but nobody fixes the honeybee's brain. Okay? He heals himself. Okay? Let's see you invent a computer that fixes its own problems, replaces its own hard drive when it needs it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's, that's pretty awesome. Wow. Okay? And now we have the, the weight. Now, obviously, the honeybee doesn't weigh much, and thus the brain weighs even less. Uh, but the Cray computer weighs 2,300 pounds. It's huge. Okay? So now, let's do a logical conclusion. Turn to somebody and say, come, let us reason together. All two of you, thank you for that participation. Uh, let's go on. Uh, the Cray computer is obviously huge. It's slow. It's inefficient. It costs a lot of money. You got to babysit the dumb thing. And it was designed by somebody with intelligence. And there isn't anybody in half a, a brain uh, that would say the Cray computer came from an explosion in an electronics factory, would they? Right? That'd be crazy to say that. Okay? And yet we have the honeybee's brain, which is faster, more efficient, energy efficient, cheap. And evolution say it did evolve by chance. Who's checking whose brain in at the door? With all due respect. Okay? Need to come and reason together. Let's take a look at another one. We've seen this before. The logic of Mount Rushmore. Now, this is the world's largest rock group. And this is Mount, Rush, uh, Mount Rushmore. And uh, all you got to do is just ask the logical question. Right? Uh, to this illustration. Do you believe, to the evolutionists, do you believe in any way these faces right here with Washington, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Lincoln could have appeared on that rock by chance? Right? Just think about it. Okay? Do you think the wind did that? Uh, do you think erosion did it? How about exfoliation, the cracking of the rock and stuff, or, or thermal expansion of the rock and, and things of that nature? Okay? Now, if you ask them uh, what caused those faces to appear on Mount Rushmore, they would obviously say they were designed. And they were designed by an artist. His name was uh, Gutzen Borglum, who my theory, Ruth, is his parents, it was a, either a rough day or they didn't like him. Because that's, how do you grow up with that one? You know, that's rough. I mean, Crone as the last name was bad enough. <laughs> and I'll never tell you my middle name. No. But, <laughs> but anyways, his name's Gutzen Borglum. Okay? And that's the guy. But then you've got to ask him this question. Keep going with the analogy here. Uh, do you believe that the men rep represented here happened by chance? Now, if they believe in evolution, they've got to say yes. Right? So, now wait a minute. You don't think that their face could appear on a rock by chance, but you think that their whole complex anatomy with 50 trillion cells could happen by chance? Who's checking whose brain at the door here? Excuse me? What? That doesn't make sense. And then ask them, well, well all right, let's, let's keep going. How many years would it take for the figures to appear on the side of that mountain by chance? Okay, would it be millions of years? How about billions of years? How about if we gave you 100 trillion years, could these figures eventually form on the side of that mountain? Okay, and of course the evolution would say it's impossible. It doesn't matter how much time you can give it, it's just not going to happen. Well, then follow up with the logical question. But isn't that how you say we got here? After billions of years of chance, even though we're more incredibly complex than the faces on Mount Rushmore? Okay? And it's not just the fact that we have trillions of cells. Okay? It's all of our organs, again, as we saw before, all have to be here fully functioning all at the same time. You can't evolve on the scene with just a brain but no heart. Or just a heart but only one lug and no brain. Or, okay, I got my liver but that's all I got. I'm just a walking, floating piece of liver. I hate it when that happens, Tom. It really messes up. Especially on Tuesdays, when you're going to Taco Tuesday, you don't even make it to the drive-thru because you're still floating away. You can't control it. <laughs> Excuse me. You have to all be, right? It's crazy. And that's just the faces on the rock. 
Okay? It's wild, okay? So the logical conclusion is that just as the faces on Mount Rushmore had to be designed, and there were, then how much more was the human body designed? That's just common sense logic. Come, let us reason together. And speaking of rockheads, uh, with all due respect, evolutionists will refrain from saying that the faces carved on uh, the rock of Mount Rushmore happened by chance, but I'm kidding you, folks. We've seen this before. But they really do believe, if you pin them down, because most of them don't really understand what they believe, when you point it out to them, they do believe we all came from a rock. This is what this guy exposes. Check this out. Asked me to speak at this college in Boston one time. This preacher called all the colleges and universities around Boston. I got my charts out and I said, now folks, I believe the Bible. <clears throat> Nobody cheered. I said, I believe about 6,000 years ago God made everything. The world's not millions of years old. And 2,000 years ago Jesus came and I gave him the basic Bible story, okay? Then I told them what they believe. Because most of them don't know what they believe, you have to tell them. <laughs> you guys believe 20 billion years ago there was a big bang where nothing exploded and produced everything. 4.6 billion years ago the earth cooled down, made a hard rocky crust, it rained on the rocks for millions of years, turned them into soup, and the soup came alive 3 billion years ago. And this early life form found somebody to marry. <laughs> Boy, now that's a good trick. And something to eat, of course, and slowly evolved into everything we see today. One professor was getting kind of upset about this time. I seem to do that to them. He said, uh, Mr. Hoven, there are hundreds of varieties of dogs in the world. I said, yes, sir, you're right about that. He said, you mean to tell me that you believe all these dogs came from two dogs off of Noah's Ark? You expect me to believe that? Ha, ha, ha. I said, sir, would you look at what you're teaching your students? You're teaching your students that all the dogs in the world came from a rock. I had one lady, I'm sorry, woman, come to me after a debate one time. She was steaming down the aisle, boy, she was mad. Oh, I could tell, I'm in trouble now. I stood there quivering in my boots, you know. She walked up and she said, tonight, you said, we believe we come from a rock. We do not believe that. I said, well, ma'am, calm down just for a minute. I said, do you believe in evolution? She said, yes, I do. I'm a professor here at the university. I said, well, would you please tell me then where we came from? She said, we came from a macro molecule. I said, uh, where did that come from? She said, from the oceans, from the prebiotic soup. I said, where did that come from? She said, well, it rained on the rocks for millions of years. <laughs> and you could see it was slowly dawning on her. I do believe I come from a rock, don't I? <laughs> yes, ma'am, you do. You ought to be proud of it. Hey, don't step on Grandpa, whatever you do. <laughs> wow. I don't know about you, but uh, when we come and reason together, and you look at just some common uh, sense logic when applied to evolution, there's no way this could ever uh, take place, okay? And that's why this guy, John O'Keefe, he's an uh, uh, astronomer at NASA, believe it or not. Again, and I like bringing this out because, again, they say that anybody who believes in intelligent design, it's not science and it's not scientific, and no uh, scientist believes that. That's not true. That's another lie. And so this scientist from NASA, he says this, we are by astronomical standards a pampered, a cosseted, a cherished group of creatures. If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, uh, we could never have come into existence. It is my view that these circumstances indicate that the universe was created for man to live in. From NASA. And another, this is a Vera uh, Kistiatowski, whatever. Uh, she's an MIT a physicist. And she says, the exquisite order displayed by our scientific understanding of the physical world calls for the design. Okay. 
And in other words, the NASA scientists, the MIT physicists are basically saying, if you think but with evolution that all of life came from a rock, you're a few fives short of a happy meal, right? Something ain't going on. Something ain't computing. There's a disconnect there. You're not reasoning together. I think you check your brain out the door, right? That's what they're saying, right? And yet we're the ones accused of that. I'm telling you folks, the only ammo that they have is caricatures, drawings, and cartoons. And they lie. And they repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, and people buy into it. And then they suppress any evidence to the contrary. Okay? But that's not all. We're going to take a look at another one uh, dealing with that issue. And uh, now we're going to take a look at the, the odds uh, of this uh, aspect. And uh, we're going to take a look at just uh, apply this common sense logic. And we're going to take a look at the odds. Okay, let's put it to the test. Let's throw in some math. Nobody's against math, right? How many of you guys like math? How many of you guys every day you get up and you say, praise God for calculators? Yeah, yeah, I like them too, man. Okay, but nothing against math. We're not anti-math as Christians. We're not anti-science. But let's apply some math. And let's apply some, let us reason together uh, to evolution. And let's take a look and see if it's ever going to take place. This is Vegas after all, right? Well, let's take a look uh, at that issue, okay? How about the odds of a single protein? Now, keep in mind, this is just a single protein. This isn't the whole bacteria. This is not the whole creature. This is just a single protein. It's been calculated, first of all, that any event with a value of 1 in 10 to the 50th power will never occur. This is mathematics. If it's got a value, an event of 1 in 10 to the 50th power, it's basically a mathematical way of saying it will never happen. If it did happen, by definition, it would be a miracle. I've shared this with you before. To give you a visual analogy, it would be like me calculating the odds, because you can calculate any odd you want. doesn't mean it's going to ever happen. But it would be calculating the odds of me saying, I'm going to throw a baseball from here on the earth to the moon. Right? It's never going to happen, right? Now, I can calculate the odds all day long, and I can come up with a number. But just because you come up with a number doesn't mean it's ever going to happen. Okay, 1 in 50 power is like me saying, I'm going to throw a baseball to the moon. I don't care, a million years, 12 billion years, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just never going to happen. That is 1 in 10 to the 50th power. And they know that math mathematically. Now let's continue on. So now that we know the threshold of something being mathematically impossible, let's apply this to the odds of a single protein, just a protein, of uh, uh, coming into existence, okay? This guy, Sir Frederick Hoyle, he decided to calculate it, and uh, that somehow this is going to happen by chance out of some primordial soup, okay? And uh, prior to this, before he began to look at the research and do the math, he was a believer in evolution. He believed in spontaneous generation, okay? But after he looked at the data, he flipped his uh, view 180 degrees. Now, notice it's not 360 degrees. For those of you hooked on correct math, that means you would be right back where you started from. Okay, it's 180 degrees. He turned around. All right, so he calculated the probability of the spontaneous generations of just the proteins of a single amoeba, and that was 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. Now, now, again, remember, if it's anything above 1 in 10 to the 50th, it's never going to occur. That's like me trying to throw a baseball to the moon. This had a value of 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. And that's just a protein of the amoeba, okay? And to give you an idea of how big that number is, uh, the 10 to the 40,000th power, the estimated number of atoms in the entire universe is about 10 to the 80th power. It's a huge number. It's, it's ridiculously big, 
okay, uh, is what's going on. Therefore, thinking that just the proteins of a single amoeba, let alone the amoeba itself, spontaneously generating, is absolutely ridiculous. Somebody's not reasoning together, okay? And uh, you're actually turning against good science. In fact, it's about as reasonable as saying, here, and they, they've taken the logic of this, okay, and applied it again to some other mathematical odds. If you were to say the proteins of a single amoeba, just a protein, were to happen by chance, it's about as logical as saying, if you were to give enough time and enough chance, okay, that a Scrabble factory could explode enough times until the letters eventually land out to perfectly spell the whole book, War and Peace. And for those of you who don't know that book, it's rather big. Okay. Is that ever going to happen? No, it's ridiculous. That'd be sad. Or that a tornado can whip through a junkyard, leaving behind a perfectly formed Boeing 747. I mean, ready to go. Woohoo! Let's go. Ain't ever going to happen. That's the odds. In fact, the odds, okay, if you do the math, the odds of a person winning a state lottery every single week of their life Every week from the age of 18 to 99 is more likely than the spontaneous generation of just the proteins of a single amoeba. I mean, you live in Vegas and you guys, yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on, shall we? <laughs> it is absolutely impossible. This guy breaks down that number even more. Let's take a look at that. Well, what are those chances? Well, let's take a look at that. We need to take a look at some big numbers first. A million is a very large number. That's a one with six zeros after that. You can write that scientifically as a one, ten raised to the sixth. That's a one with six zeros. A billion, much bigger, that's a one with nine zeros. You can write that as a ten raised to the ninth. That's a one with nine zeros. Those are big numbers. But those numbers aren't big enough. We need a much, much bigger number here. Well, let's look at this number. The estimated number of electrons in the entire known universe. That would have to be an unbelievably huge number. Well, you can write that number as a one followed by 80 zeros. That's an unbelievably huge number. So forget everything I've said so far to this point. Just remember that a one with 80 zeros after it is about the number of electrons in the entire known universe. Absolutely a huge number. Okay, now what are the chances that life formed by accident on this planet? The number I'm going to show you comes from Sir Frederick Hoyle. He was one of the world's leading astronomers. He was an atheist for most of his life, but he came to the conclusion there must be a God just by studying math and science. So this number comes from him. He tells us that the chances that life formed by accident on this planet and all the supposed billions of years that we've had would be one chance in a one followed by 40,000 zeros. That is a phenomenally huge number. You know what? Let's just write this number down for a second. We'll put a one up in the corner of the screen and then fill the screen with all these tiny zeros. That's page one of zeros. Then we have page two of zeros. Page three, page four, page five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve pages of tiny zeros just to write the number down. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have someone write you a check that big? That would be great. But again, this number is so big we can't really relate to it. It's just one of those big numbers. So let's use another analogy here. Now, how many of you have ever played with a Rubik's Cube? Probably most of you have. A Rubik's Cube has a lot of different combinations to it. In fact, there are so many combinations, you've got 10 million trillion different possible combinations to a Rubik's Cube, and only one is correct. So if you're blindfolded and you're spinning away, you've got one chance in 10 million trillion of getting it right. So most people are going to say, you know what, that's just not going to happen. Well, let's compare solving the Rubik's Cube by accident to life forming by accident. It would be like you 
being blindfolded and being handed a cube, spinning away randomly and solving it 2,105 times in a row. <laughs> Is that ever going to happen? Not a chance. So why do we teach in all the school systems around the country and universities that life formed 3.8 billion years ago when non-living chemicals came together to form a living cell? Yeah, that's a good question. It's like somebody's checking in their brain at the door. And then you invite a whole bunch of kids to come in and learn that. And we wonder why the education is going down. Hey, let's continue on because it actually gets worked. He concluded after this research, I, share, I got a quote from him. <clears throat> he said, the likelihood of the formation of life from inanimate matter is one to a number of 40,000 knots after it. It is enough to what? <clears throat> to bury Darwin and the whole theory of evolution. He said there was no primeval soup, listen, neither on this planet, sorry aliens, nor on any other. It can't happen. And if the beginnings of life were not random, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful design, i.e. God. That's why he changed around. Okay, but it gets even worse. That's just the odds of a single protein. Let's calculate the odds of a whole bacteria because that's how it's supposed to start, right? Some little simple cell and all of a sudden, here we are. Okay, and uh, so that's just the proteins. But now let's, uh, this doesn't take into consideration the so-called chance formation of not just the proteins, but you got the DNA, you got the RNA, or the cell wall that holds the contents of the whole thing together, right? Uh, all that stuff. Well, this guy, believe it or not, Yale University physicist, a guy named Harold Morowitz, he calculated the odds of this. He applied good science and math to this. Okay, and he demonstrated that the chances of a single bacteria somehow coming to existence is 1 in 10 to the 100 trillionth power. Now again, keep in mind what you just saw. Anything beyond 1 in 10 to the 50th, like me trying to say I'm going to throw a baseball to the moon, it's not going to happen. If it did, it would be a miracle. Okay? And here you have a number that is a uh, uh, hundred trillionth. Okay? It's so big that that number, not the 40,000 one, this one would require several hundred thousand blank books just to write the zeros out. It's a ridiculously large number. Okay, and, uh, and then not just you, but the odds to it, and the chances, and the math, you and your entire extended family are more likely to win the lottery every week for 100 years than it is for a single bacteria to form by chance. Not just you, Bunny, but you and your entire extended family for 100 years is, yeah, okay, Samantha's excited, but you're, you're missing the point. Let us reason together. It's an illustration. It's not literally... You're, you're messing up my point here. <laughs> no, and keep in mind, that's just that. Keep in mind, it's not just one cell. Yay! First of all, it can never happen. But then your body's got anywhere estimated 50 trillion. Some say much more than that. Uh, and they all have to be there all at the same time. It's not just one. You've got to have them all there with all your organs, again, functioning at the same time. And they all have to be properly working, all in order for it to function. And that's just one human body, right? Uh, keep in mind, if you want to procreate, and don't just want to live a short existence, you got to have two at the same time. And they got to be opposites. One got to be male, one got to be female, and you got to be interested in each other. And then you got to get married, and sometimes that's hard just to even pull that off, right? So it just isn't going to happen, okay, is what's going on. And it's these mind-boggling odds that led this researcher to declare this. He said, the improbability involved in generating even one bacterium is so large that it reduces all considerations of time and space into nothingness. Given such odds, the time until the black holes evaporate and the space to the ends of the universe would make no difference at all. Listen, if we were to wait for this to happen, we would truly be waiting for a miracle. They know it is absolutely impossible. And I'll share one more quote uh, from Frederick Coyle. He says, a common sense interpretation of the facts, come let us reason together. 
He said this, uh, suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with the physics as well as chemistry and biology and that there are no blind forces we're speaking about in nature. He said the numbers calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. It's almost like they said, you know what? Romans chapter 1 hit the nail on the head. Come let us reason together. Um, Paul really predicted 2,000 years ago that when you look at the creation and we finally get to the point where we have the technology to really do it justice with the math and the science and the telescopes and the microscopes, boy, you come to the logical, reasonable conclusion that there has to be a God. That's exactly what they're saying. And somehow, what you and I believe is not science. And somehow, we're the ones checking our brain at the door. I don't think so. Okay? But uh, Lord willing, next week we're going to get to the 11th one. And believe it or not, I had to include this one because that's been the attack all along. It's not science. Okay, fine. Lord willing, next week we're going to take a look at some science. Okay, and we're going to apply it to even the Big Bang. That's one of the most unscientific goofball things there ever was from the evolutionist point of view. But we'll deal with the facts. Lord willing, next time. And then we'll finally close out on this study. And we're going to take a look at the real reason why these guys. Because I don't disagree that they've got a good intellect. I don't disagree that they've got big degrees and they're smart and they're intelligent and they probably have a much higher IQ than uh, myself. Okay? I don't disagree that. But why in the world do they continue to defy science and logic and math and do this? It's not because it's a lack of intellect. We're going to see, and Peter predicted this, it's a heart issue. That's why they do it. But we'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey folks, isn't it ironic how 
uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. Jesus Christ has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, 
and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.